What's up everybody, how are you guys doing? Welcome to Jake Richardson's Coaching Corner. Today I have a very special guest, a good friend of mine, Rocky Takapu. He is an Air Force vet, current technical program manager with multiple degrees in electrical engineering and computer engineering, who is an extremely good friend of mine that I looked up to, who was a rough and tough guy, who was able to 180 his life and have this amazing story to tell. So I'm extremely happy to get a hold of this man and pick his brain. What's up, man? What's good, man? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah you're good to go. Can you hear me good? Yeah. Hey. Right. Awesome. Hey, thanks for Yo. being on the show, man. No doubt, bro. I am How's it going? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm extremely excited. Ready to get this whole thing going. Oh, let's do it. So the first question I have for you is, what was it like growing up in the Bay Area? What was it like growing up in the Bay Area? Um, I guess it was different, all right? Like, uh, I got to hang out with a few. So let me take a step back. Um, growing up in the Bay Area is probably one of the coolest things ever because the amount of diversity, and you don't really get to appreciate it until you actually leave the Bay Area. Yeah. So, for example, I joined the military. Um, you know, it's uh, um, many folks from different walks of life, uh, and it's a sample size across all of America, right? So you're meeting people from New York, the South, Midwest, the Dakotas, uh, even the North Pacific, Pacific Northwest. And uh, just to be clear, it's like, um, I don't know, the best way I could put it is just we're different. In a, a different type of sauce, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just we're just different. I don't know. I think it's just growing up in the Bay Area has a, a lot of positive memories, and I don't think I would be the person I am today yeah. if I grew up anywhere else, right? It's just, I don't know. And representing Lab Rascals here, uh, it's my partner's company that she started up. Uh, so I'll give a shout out to them. Oh, yeah. Of course, Stress Test uh, podcast later on. But, oh, yeah. yeah. No doubt. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so, in the growing up in the Bay, you where you grew up in or you lived in multiple different places after living in the Bay. What was the difference, or what about the Bay do you find most different than other places that you lived in? Uh, just culturally, I think it's probably one of the most eclectic places you can ever live. Yeah, and that eclecticness, if that's even a word. Yeah. gives you a lot of creativity, right? Like, you got to think about it. Like, the amount of garage startups that have started in Silicon Valley or across the Bay, all right? Um, and not even only from a tech standpoint, like from an independent standpoint. Like, for example, Master P, even though he reps Louisiana or New Orleans, he came from and started that hustle out in Richmond. Oh, you sure. Know, seeing E-40 and Autumn Vallejo boys in Too Short in Oakland and, uh, uh them pushing that whole independent scene. So uh, I think like that eclecticness and the, um, I guess, just the culture of being able to break things yeah. or break outside of your boundaries um, really allows the Bay to give you an advantage whenever you're going into creative segments. Did that help you as your journey pushed past the Bay? Did you feel that that rootedness helped you in all the other situations you found yourself in? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. No, if I were to just be blunt, I think so. I think um, just being able to look at things differently. Uh, for example, when I joined the military, you know, Mac Dre was a thing yeah. growing up. You know, I, I would dance different. You yeah. know, I would listen to music. For example, one of the things that people used to call me out on was wearing bands. They're like, you know, what type of, you know, minority person wears bands, you know, but <laughs> the band, we all wore bands, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, that That was our thing. They're like, hey, only skaters wear bands, and of course, once Lil Wayne started wearing bands, everyone hopped on the Vans train, and now, you know, Vans is just a trend, but yeah. like, if I were to call it out, like, the Bay was trendsetting before trendsetting was even a thing, It's know? true. So, I think that gave me the opportunity to be at the forefront of things just from a mentality standpoint, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, just understanding, like, and just be different. Like, Mac Dre was totally different. You know, I look up to him, uh, regardless of all, like, you know, the paraphernalia, if you will, and <laughs> other things. But um, 
but like it, it, he was different from every other rapper out there. You know what yeah. I'm saying? While everyone was talking about, you know, robbing, dealing drugs, growing up hard. He was rapping, you know, about having a good time, you know, just, you know, being easy, fizzle face, you know, coming up with different words. Um, and I think just seeing someone from our area be different allowed me to not be afraid of being different. Yeah. Right. So I always just knew like I, I was I was one of one. You know, everybody said they're one of one, but they're sheep. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Wearing the same shit everyone else is wearing. I can cuss on this, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, let it rip. I, I be saying <laughs> oh, fuck all day, every day. No, no, say yeah, everything. I be wearing, letting it rip. Yeah, you know, he's wearing the same shit everyone else is wearing, saying the same shit everyone else is saying. Um, but it really gave me an opportunity to be different. Uh, and if I were to be clear, be my authentic self, yeah. regardless of the segment I'm in. You know, I work in tech, you know, um, it's it's always assumed that we're nerdy or yeah. this and that. And usually if you're a person from my background, you're seeing that and you're like, I don't want to deal with that. And, yeah. But for me, I knew I was always different. I knew I was a true one of one. So I was like, I'm going to go into this, um, figure out what requisites I need to accomplish and see how far I can take it. You and were able... It's been great for me. Yeah, you were able to hit these massive pillars but still feel like yourself which a lot of people don't get to do really well. <laughs> a lot of people feel that they have to trade in their authenticity to get to places that you you are at and have been so do yeah. you feel hitting all those like you say going to the military then then going into the tech field being able to be yourself and be one of one did you notice that kind of the sheeple saw that and were extremely attracted to that and we just wanted to be around you because you were so much of an authentic figure that they just wanted to be around that and go, man, I hope some of this rubs off on me. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I'm not going to, I don't know if I've uh, tracked that per se. But you're a modest human you're being. Point. You're you're <laughs> you're a modest human being. If I were to say, if I from an eye of me seeing you in all your spaces, I do see people attract themselves around you based yeah. on, you speaking the way you want, like speaking candidly and saying what you feel, you being an authentic human being. Like I said, you're very modest, so you never take any credit for anything. But I would say oh. I see that shit all the time when it comes to you. Oh, yeah. No, nah, man, I, I think my goal is always to, you know, just uh, just be myself, but at the same time not be an asshole. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, I think you can be your authentic self, but there is a threshold where you start to disrespect people. Yeah. Um, but I do want to say, like, it, it's, it's two ways, right? Like, if you're easily offended, um, that can also cause problems as well, exactly. right? Like, once again, have your foundations, but if you're going to sweat the, you know, if you're going to jump over dollars because uh, you're worried about pennies, then you're really not getting anywhere else in life, too. So it's that balance that you got to kind of play. Yeah. Um, um, being amenable to other people, while at the same time understanding who you are and your fundamentals are, uh, and, and and just staying within those boundaries, if you will, and then be able to exemplify that um, in any setting. Uh, so, for I mean, the military is a very, you know, rigid place. So I knew there were things that I couldn't get away with. Yeah. But at the same time, I knew I, I, there were things that I wasn't going to give up yeah. within my own self. Um, and fortunately, like uh, I was in opportunity. I had I would have opportunity to be in spaces where people respected, you know, my intellect. And allowed my intellect to shine. Yeah. Um, so even with that, you know, it was a uh, mad cool. So uh, just got, I was just blessed, you know what I'm saying, or lucky. Oh, I'm not well, really a religious person, so I can't say blessed. It was, it was, <laughs> it was created. I think that you were a, a special oh, yeah, individual, definitely. so you created a lot of it. But I will say, there is a lot. Go ahead. No, I like the the, the fact that you use that term, right? Create, uh, created, because I think like there, there's. For example, I love statistics and probability, yeah. right? If you know that there's a small probability that a certain thing will happen, fuck it. Continue to do that stuff to increase that number or instances of events occurring. Therefore, you, let's say you have 10% of achieving something. If you do it one time, that's only 10%. But if you do it a thousand times, 10% of a thousand, that means uh, there's a hundred out of what a thousand times that it's going to work in your favor so and then most of the time like just studying probability like it's if you're looking at independent random events you only need it to happen one time yeah so fuck you know that one time if you do it a thousand times and i, I think that's where people mess 
They think it's going to happen that first time. And if it doesn't, they're like, fuck, I'm screwed. Nah, you get your, you pick your ass back up and you do it again. <laughs> All right. You're like, uh, don't, don't be, uh, like Einstein's, um, uh, I guess uh, it's attributed to Einstein, right? Doing the same stuff over and over again, expecting different results. Use that feedback loop and kind of iterate on it. Like yeah. just think about like, okay, maybe if I change this variable of my input, right. And then maybe the output will, uh, or outcome will change. Oh, and I sure. think that's where people have to, to, to really focus their time on. Uh, if it's something worth it, right? I think that's extremely valuable what you just said right there because people tend to give up so fast. And yes. I, I use a, a, a dumbed down version of what you said when I talk to people is if you have one dart and you have to hit that bullseye, it's going to be really hard. If I got 50 darts in my hand and I throw yes. it at that bullseye, you probably will hit that bullseye. But you need to keep going at it. So I think yeah. you're absolutely right. I mean, we was all young dogs before, you know what I'm saying? You shoot your shot at a woman once. You shoot it a couple times, you know what I'm saying? You know, one time I have, and then, you know, that's all you need, right? So um, I think those are the things that you really have to put yourself in uh, um, other people's shoes. Um, but to your point, I think that having worked at a social media company, um, I think we are big. We use, let me try to rephrase this uh, so I can somewhat competent. Uh, I think people are too focused on instant gratification. Oh, right? sure. like, They're not about that work, right? Like everyone says they're about that work, but you know, like one year, what? Six months, yeah. what? <laughs> and it's like, there's gotta be a shorter way. And I think uh, to quote the great Donald Knuth, right? Pre-optimization is the root of all evil. Meaning if you're trying to optimize for shit you haven't even gone through, you know what I'm saying? Like you're already down a lot of so. Yeah. Sometimes you got to go through the mud in order to get there, and it makes the juice sweeter, right? So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like I said, so much value from everything that you're saying, which is great because it leads <laughs> me into my next question. Is nice. Speaking about getting in the mud, <laughs> it's from firsthand experience. Growing up, you were an extremely tough and intimidating figure as a kid. Where did that come from at such an early age and stage? growing up in, in the Tonga community, like it, it ain't uh, for the faint of heart in a lot of <laughs> cases, especially for males. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's like a, a certain warrior mentality that you got to go through and being the oldest uh, and feeling uh, obligated to, you know, watch my siblings on the streets and stuff like that. Uh, those are things that uh, I take pride in today, you know, but um, sometimes, you know, pride can be a sin that, know you pay it pay the cost for it yeah. and i paid the cost dearly in a lot of cases you know by getting my ass beat getting jumped all that stuff um going to juvie uh more than enough times uh uh on the path to you know uh nowhere but um i think uh another thing of being part of that tonga community is i i had you know uh shelter uh with my family and being loved ones and and of course my mom more specifically calling out like, Hey, you know, you, you stay out here. Um, you're probably going to be, you know, in jail for life or, or dead. So she made the conscious decision to move me out to, uh, my uncle, uh, in Hawaii. And, um, uh, he was able to kind of straighten me out. Yeah. And of course that led to the military and all that other good jazz. So, uh, tons of opportunities came from that. But once again, to your point, uh, to answer your previous question, like where does that toughness come from? I think, it just comes a, a, around just growing like, you know, on the streets with a bunch of guys who, uh, you know, sometimes you're young, dumb and full of, you know, <laughs> um, and I think that testosterone and, you know, just growing up in communities where, um, you know, that warrior mentality kind of takes the best of you. Um, uh, and um, I'm, you know, uh, uh, I don't want to say a, a victim. I'll say I'm, I'm, pro I'm a product of that. Um, so. But yeah, you, I think that's where it came from. Yeah, no, I like I said, I completely agree. That's first-hand experience. You were a very intimidating individual <laughs> as we were growing up. Where do you think, if you continued that path, you'd be today? I'd probably de uh, be dead. Yeah, um, or probably in jail. Mm -hmm. um, more specifically, like I think I would have been in jail just due to. So I was going through like they would put us like, for example, I went to Parkside for a year, right? Yeah. And most of 
classes were anger management classes. Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't know if you ever had to do that at Parkside, but like for three periods, I had to sit with like a counselor and stuff <laughs> like that. And it was just whack. You know, they would tell us like, you know, about our feelings. At the time, I wasn't trying to hear all that. Um, but like, uh, I, I think for me, like back, I think I had a lot of issues that I did not resolve thus. You know what I'm saying? Like the, um, the intimidation you speak of. Um, yeah. It was just like, uh, I, as, as a young boy growing up, I didn't know how to uh, express myself in a manner that was uh, conducive to society as it is today. Yeah. So I think um, that's probably, I, I would have probably been in jail just due to the violence that I wanted to cause or dead due to retaliation yeah. from the violence that I've caused or, you know, uh, other stuff like that. So. Yeah. Um, fortunately, I'm no longer in that space. But oh, for I, sure. I try my best. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I'm interviewing you right now. <laughs> it's like you're at your house and not behind fucking. I'm not calling you from know, right? behind bars and shit. I know from San Quentin or something. Like that. <laughs> you know I'd probably be a rapper too, trying to you know spit some bars. Uh, but not today, boss. Not yeah. today. And, and to to the point that you're making too, though, it's not an easy road for the oldest siblings. The oldest siblings have to learn the harder ways, and then us younger siblings get to kind of learn through you guys. So that doesn't yeah. that doesn't make it easy by any means either. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. I mean, like, and plus, my parents were immigrants, so they didn't really speak English yeah. um, too well. Um, but um, and you know, they were you know busting their ass trying to just make sure that they could keep food on the table and the lights on. Yeah. So. Like that kind of left us to be latchkey uh, latch kids, uh, latchkey kids, yeah. you know. And I think like, um, you know, I th it was just they did the best that they knew they oh, could sure. within the environment that was established for them. Um, so I'm never gonna fault them for that. No, but, the, but that's just the reality that I was dealing with at the time. Oh yeah, oh, I can. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, completely see all that and see where it's coming from. Was it a huge culture shift going from San Bruno to Hawaii? technical difficulties to be starting right now, but we're going to slowly get him back on. But to elaborate on that, I will say Rocky is one of the most impressive individuals because of where he started. Rough and tough, wouldn't back down from any fights. Taught a lot of us how to be rough and tough at the same time. And with that comes a lot of heat from other people. And he was able to weather the storm. Having good siblings, having good people around him. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yo. Yeah. Don't worry. I, I, I was talking as we were going, so we're, we're good. <laughs> my bad, my bad, my bad. No, 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 don't even worry about it. Huh? Was that my connection or was... Uh, probably, but it was good. Like I said, I was talking in between, okay. kind of giving a little background about uh, you. For sure, for sure. <laughs> so the next question would be no, this. No. Was it a huge culture shift going from San Bruno to Hawaii? Um, from the Bay Area to Hawaii? Yes, yeah. it was. Um, but I think it was a, a welcome. And once again, it wasn't what you see on TV, right? Like my uncle had his home at the time, was on the North Shore. And it wasn't like on the pretty side, it was Wailua. Yeah. Uh, like right next to Haleiwa. But it was like a blue collar town where a lot of folks were, you know what I'm saying? Like um, my uncle, for example, he owned a masonry company. Um, but like there, uh, it was definitely slower. Um, you know, as a young 16 year old, you know, there weren't too many um, other people around. Man. <laughs> 
so we had to wait to go to town, you know, the city to see uh, uh, just like the opposite sex yeah. uh, to some extent. And that was like, uh, it was just always like, just, um, just, it was just super quiet, super slow, which I, what I, what I wasn't used to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was used to going to sideshows every weekend. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> whipping around my little shitty Cadillac that I had, um, you know, and there I had no ride. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, you know, uh, just in a super slow, chill, relaxed town, which I, I love now. But when you're 16, um, uh, you, you just want to get into things. And But I think what I needed to slow me down yeah. uh, and just to get disciplined. So I really enjoyed it. I mean, I think not enjoyed it, but. I think looking back now, that was like the foundation uh, for building who I am today. That's perfect. That was the next question is what is the number one thing that you learned living in Hawaii? Uh, work and discipline. Nice. Um, and so my uncle Pooley was not going to let you not learn that. Yeah. <laughs> he was going to either, you were either going to learn it or you was going to get uh, old school style beat into you, right? <laughs> so uh, you really had no choice on how you were going to learn that. Fortunately, my Auntie Lahuni used to always save my ass um, all the time because I'm pretty sure the first uh, first three months I was there, he wanted to beat my ass almost every day because <laughs> I do something stupid or talk back, you know, uh, and then I would just be like running around the house just so he wouldn't beat me up, yeah. uh, chasing me with a two by four and stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, man, like uh, I was fortunate, uh, Auntie Lahuni, who's his wife, um, always saved my behind and just made sure I never got beat up too bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it was, he was the definition of uh, fuck around and find out. <laughs> so, <laughs> if, you, if you were going to fuck around, you were definitely going to fuck. So, uh, and I would say that curve is not as linear. It's probably a little steeper. Like you would get double find out. So yeah, uh, it's just growing up Uncle Pooley. But like another thing too is like, they were just like, like, growing up in the Bay, like, I saw people with flashy things, you know what I'm saying? Like, quick money. Yeah. Um, you know, like, they had name brand things. Where in Hawaii, especially on the North Shore, um, like, that that didn't mean shit. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, it was very minimalist. Um, and that's why I'm kind of the way I am today is, like, I got to understand, like, you don't really need material things to live life. Oh, for you sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and enjoy it, like, to, uh, to, to the fullest. Um, so that's why, I, you know, I drive around in the same buckets, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I really don't care for any of those things because like I saw my uncle who was like my biggest, um, role model. He was driving a beat up, you know, uh, Ford truck F-350. It was like a 1983 F-150 dump truck. And this dude was like damn near a millionaire, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, those are the examples that I, as a young man needed, um, to really understand like, you know. This is what you should be. I saw him provide for his family. You know what I'm saying? That was a big, um, just like role model for me. Not to say that my father didn't, but like he was always telling me or like, you know, this is why I'm doing this. You know, like me and my father, we never really had, you know, those type of heart to heart discussions. It was just like, yo, yo, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where me and Uncle Pooley, he was always teaching. There was always a lesson behind something, you know, like, you know, like, for example, he would never let me do like the more skilled uh things on the on the job site uh so i always was stuck doing like the shitty jobs like fucking mixing cement so these cement bags were like a hundred pounds so i had to like my skinny like that was like damn near two-thirds my body weight i was like 140 pounds at that time soaking wet and i was like trying to keep up with these other tongans who were like you know my little cousins they were damn near 200 250 like you know they're just huge guys and i was over here trying to keep up with them um, but it actually, that, that's another thing. It just made me strong. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Cause when you go through that, um, you know, like you condition yourself to understand what hard work was, you know, I was digging ditches six, seven hours a day. Uh, I was sleeping in tents cause there was no more rooms at the house. So <laughs> I slept in a Coleman tent with what you would call like migrant workers. Yeah. So like people who would come from like New Zealand and Australia, Three of us shared one Coleman tent, like a Coleman tent out right outside of my uncle's house because there was no more room in the house, right? So we all slept in this little Coleman tent. Imagine trying to go spit at some girls and say, yo, come back to my Coleman tent. You know what I'm saying? Where I got, you know, these other, like, that wasn't going to work for you. you know what I mean? So, and the 
so and those are the things that really humble you, man. Like, um, so like for me, it was one of those things where I, I really needed that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like I needed to understand what hard work was because I was, I, I mean, like looking back now, I was lazy. You know what I'm saying? Like I just assumed things came quick. I just assumed things just happened. Uh, but I didn't understand, you know, the work ethic that was behind it. So yeah. going to Hawaii, uh, working with my uncle for what we call yate, yeah. you know what I'm saying, for two, three years, really built a strong foundation for me. And those are things that I carry over uh, um, to, like, my study, uh, my studies, you know, like working in the Air Force um, and just, like, working now, you know. Like, those are things, like, I'm, like, I don't think I'm afraid of the grind because I've seen what the worst grinds were. So, like, nothing, these don't phase me. It's like, oh, yeah. It's easy. This is easy money. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it really sets your, I think the term is hedonic adaptation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like when you get used to certain luxuries, that becomes your baseline. Yeah. Well, that will always be my baseline. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Because there's something you will, you will never forget digging ditches for eight hours for seven days straight, right? Yeah. Uh, for years, right? Like you just won't forget that. Um, and if that's your baseline, everything after that is beautiful. Oh, you know what I'm saying, yeah, yeah, life is beautiful after that. So that's that's kind of how I um, am able to kind of like just push myself through um, quote unquote hard, hard times, which yeah. is amazing because adults and kids alike, if they could just hear that right there, it puts it in yeah. perspective what's really hard compared to what the fuck you think is hard. Where oh, yeah. being in class, kids would be like, oh, I'm, it's so hard being in class. You're like, oh yeah, well go outside and go dig, get, dig a ditch for seven fucking hours and tell me how hard it is to be in class. So it's cool that at that young of an age, which I think a lot of kids should digest and actually get put in that situation to teach them yeah. appreciation, especially around that 15, 16, 17 year old age. There's a huge leap between good and bad roads that you can take where at that 15, 16, 17 year old age, if you can create that foundation more likely you'll go towards a positive. Yes. If you're running around bullshitting, you'll find yourself in a negative. And you're a human mm -hmm. being that lived that and yeah. was able at the right time to get in, engulfed with the right person in the right situation that literally 180'd your life and steered you in the right path. Yeah. No, no. Once again, like, um, just that's part of the community, right? Yeah. Like, I was able to like for all the uh, um, bad or negative, I hope it doesn't get taken as negative uh, that I potentially called out. Like the beauty of the Tongan culture is that community, right? So they definitely believe in the tribe raises the, the or the village raises the child. Yeah. Um, and I, I was, I benefited directly from that. Yeah. Um, and once again, like my uncle treated me like his own son. Like a lot of this sounds crazy. Like what? Was over here beating you up <laughs> like no but like those are things like i love him dearly my oh, yeah. son is named Kulileka, uh after him you know yeah. because um because he instilled like i would not have the life i have now without him you know yeah. like i wouldn't have uh like things have come quote unquote easy for me because like he's given me every tool that i can leverage in order to just like you know do successful in other businesses like this was a man who built up a damn near million dollar business you know as a non-English speaking, non-school attending individual, yeah. you know. So for me, like, it, for me, like, I just don't think I have an opportunity to complain about opportunities when he never even had the opportunity. Yeah, you know. So I, I'm a big believer in you know everyone getting the same opportunity, but at the same time, I'm also a believer in people you know, getting the outcomes they deserve. Yeah. So, like, everyone wants the same outcomes, but, bro, you got to, brother, sis, you got to put in that work, and a lot of y'all ain't doing it. Yeah. You know? So, it is what it is. Yeah, no, you, you spoke on the, on the culture in which got you to where you're at right now beautifully yeah. because you were a wild Mustang, <laughs> and you needed to be broken a little bit to yeah. teach you how to win a Kentucky Derby. So, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. at the end of the day, I, I didn't catch any negative in that aspect of it. If, if anything, I thought it was refreshing. I think that more kids need to be put through that. Yeah. Because it would make better men and better women. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, there's a book. 
from an author I really respect. His name is uh, uh, Nassim Taleb. Yeah. He wrote a book called Anti-Fragile. Yeah. And in that book, he discusses like how systems that get put under a certain type of stress and get stronger once they go through that stress yeah. are anti-fragile. So not necessarily resilient, because resilient means you just come out the same. Yeah. Like anti-fragile is the next step forward or, or an evolution of that where you're coming out stronger. And I think just going through that stress um, and understanding, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was still loved. You know, I still had support. Like, it wasn't like um, like I had none of that. It was oh, just, yeah. I guess, like, tough love right now. And this is something that kind of fear makes me fearful uh, when I'm raising my boys. I have two boys. Yeah. Is that society kind of tries to tell you how to raise your kids. And obviously, you know, uh, abuse is wrong, right? But, yeah, yeah. like. I think like that, the, the, the gray areas are expanding into, you know, points or areas of discipline that is actually needed. Um, and I think raising two boys, I get kind of fearful um, of hearing some of the, uh, uh, I guess, opinions of certain folks. Um, and not to say I'm fearful, I'm going to just follow it. Um, but I, I am fearful because my boys will be raised around kids like that. Oh, you for know? sure. And I... I, I I make no, I make no qualms. I, I'm trying to raise two killers. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm like, <laughs> I, uh, I fuck with know, that. Like, uh, at the end of the day, I want to make sure they have, you know, enough tools to defend themselves in the right situation. You know, be intellectually, you know, competent to defend themselves in any situation, um, and then also intellectually competent to be able to succeed uh, regardless of the environment they're in. Yeah. Um, so, I, and then ultimately to become happy, right? Because like. As a human, like I want you to be happy, and I think, in my opinion, you're happiest when you're going through stressful times and you're able to achieve the outcomes or goals you want to achieve. And that's when happiness will happen. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's in relationships, whether it's in business, whether it's just like in life itself. Like yeah. I feel like those are things that you need to go through. But once again, like those are things that to each of their own. But that's how I raise my children, and I hope that I'm putting them on the right path to happiness. Oh, I think you're doing an amazing job, even just with that ideology and thought process, because if your family and tribe are strong, but the society around you is weak, I kind of love that because that just makes you eat, look even stronger. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Like if, yeah. if they're monsters and killers and they're around weenies, there's going to be, they're going to be jumping over these kids like it's nothing. So I always look at that when it comes to society, and I completely agree with you. It's getting a little weaker, a little softer. People are a little bit more scared to have their kids as these confident, dominant monsters. But in the sense of where you're creating a child that knows how to turn it on and turn it off. Yes. And right. I think that's where the gap is, is people think tough yep. is destructive. Where it's yep. not necessarily destructive as long as it's taught how to be conducive to being able to turn it on, turn it off. Yeah. And Are you familiar with the uh, term, the meek shall inherit the earth? Yeah. So, like, uh, I think it got translated improperly, yeah. where it's like the warriors who are, are, are who have the skills and stuff like that understand when to unsheath their sword, right? Yeah. Like, those are, those are the type of folks that, like, once again, that's why I always um, include competency, right? Like, I want my kids to understand, you know, the right environments and the right context to unsheath, you know, whatever animosity they want to lay on people, you know what I'm saying? Of course, like, those are the things, like, and, and obviously you don't want them to just go around paranoid in life, yeah. thinking somebody's going to take them from the back and try to rear naked choke them. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but at the same time, I want to give my kids the tools and the confidence, I believe, that will transcend into other um, 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 venues, right, yeah. that they approach, right, whether it be business, whether it be sports, um, whether it be just relationships, right? Like, obviously, communication comes part of that. Um, and that's the first line of defense you want to use. But, um, you know, well, once again, I, I said it at the, at the beginning of this interview, a lot of people want to fuck around and find out. So, <laughs> and, yeah. and why not? Bruce Lee always says it best. Be a warrior in a garden and not a gardener in a war. Yes. That's beautiful. So why? I'm stealing that, Jay. Yeah, yeah, use it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't come up with it. That was from Bruce. But yeah. I completely agree with that. Is I want somebody to be as capable as possible in situations where they never need to use it. 
Yes. Instead of uncapable in craziness, in chaos. <laughs> yeah. So I think you're doing the right thing. You're just setting them up for success. Nobody's going to see that. Only weak people would see that and go, I don't know about that. Yeah, you don't know because yeah. you're a little weenie sitting on the side too. And <laughs> you're, you're, you're raising a whole bunch of weenies. But when you're a dog and you're, a, and you're tough and you created the life that you created, it's easier to teach your children and show them. And they also give them the leg up because they're never going to go through what you went through from zero to 15 or 16. They're going to yeah. get all the good stuff plus. Yeah. So they're just... No. Yeah. No, I agree. And like, once again, like these are things that I just tell them to go do stuff. Like, yeah. you know, here's this tough man literature. Go do it. Yeah. Like I'm in there doing it with them. Exactly. You know like, like snowboarding. Like I didn't know how to snowboard for shit. Shit, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I wanted them to snowboard. They're like, Dad, I want to learn how to do this. Guess what? My old ass went out there and learned how to snowboard, and I love it now too. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and, and once again, like, I'm telling them to go run. You know what I'm saying? Miles. You know, like, do their sprints. I'm doing it right next to them. Yeah. I'm training for a triathlon right now since oh, I tore my patellar tendon. Like, these are things. Like, I'm not just gonna tell you to do it. I'm either gonna do it in some fashion that pushes me. Obviously, I'm passionate about triathlons. I'm not really passionate about, like, for example, they do jujitsu. Yeah. I'm not really passionate about that. Um, and they do that. But, like, those are things, like, I want them to be able to say, like, hey, my old man, you know, he, he stepped up, you know, went to, to reach his dreams or reach his goals. So he was never just a do as I say, not as I do type person. Yeah. Right? Um, I was, I was, I, I was. The exact I was I'm gonna do the exact same thing that I'm saying I want y'all to do. Yeah. So and that probably follows in line with the men that helped raise you and show you yeah. the right way. They were all doing, they weren't just telling. Yeah. They exactly. Were, yeah. Your uncle, he was doing it right there. Your dad, he was doing yeah. it right there. They're, yeah. they're, and so that's all you're passing on is what you were taught at an early stage. No. I, I couldn't have put it better, Jake. That was that was perfect. Oh, I appreciate it. Hey, look, I'm just listening. I'm just listening. I'm just uh, flowing with you right now. So then, <laughs> no doubt. from Hawaii, how does the Air Force come about? Dude, so that one was actually pretty wild, right? So I didn't know shit about the military. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right? So the way these recruiting centers are work out is, like, for example, you'll have the Department of the Army, Department of Navy, um, which the Marines are in as well, and Department of Air Force, all in the same cul-de-sac or same area, yeah. right? So th that's how it was in Hawaii, and I think that's how it is across America. Um, recruiting centers are what they call it. Yeah. So my dumbass was over here thinking <laughs> I was going to just join the Army, and they would put me in, like, the airplane version of the Army, the, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying, the boat version of the Army. I thought it was all one thing. Yeah. So I went to the Army, uh, a recruiting station it was closed and i was just waiting outside the door and this dude from the air force which was right next door opens up his door and he's like hey you waiting for something and i was like yeah i'm waiting for the army doors to open and he was like oh so their recruiters are out do you want to join the air force so i was like the fuck is the air force <laughs> <laughs> he was like oh we're we're, we're a branch of service so i was like oh, i don't even know are you guys like the army I thought this dude was trying to sell me like some MLM shit, like you know, like have me selling like knives in the door. Yeah. This is how ignorant I was at the time. He was like, he was like, oh no, 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 we're we're still the military, but we're a different branch of service, and technically, you'll have a better life. Okay, <laughs> like, sign me up to that one. I know. I was like, uh, okay. Um, so I went in. You know, he was like, all right, you gotta get, you gotta take a test. I was like, what the fuck? You got to take a test to join the military? This is how ignorant I was. Yeah. It's called the ASVAB. I had to take this ASVAB test. So I take the ASVAB test. It turns out that I'm really mathematically inclined. I scored like a 95. Oh, shit. Right? On the math portion. It was either a 95 or a 99. I can't oh, remember. Shit. But I scored extremely high. And um, fortunately, with that score, it enabled me to join like um, uh, a really technical field, yeah. which was a electronic uh, signals exploit exploitation. So essentially what I was doing was like I was a radar analyst mm. who would look at um, patterns across the uh, RF spectrum. Yeah. Um, but to understand that, you had to understand like all these basics of physics. Um, but that wasn't guaranteed. So they're like, you might get this, but we're going to put you in open general so you can go in quicker. Open general 
you can get fucked by that. <laughs> so, oh, going in open general means they're going to try to fill you the quickest well, with the um, the greatest needs of the Air Force, yeah. right? So that means you can literally be like a line cook, no cap on line cooks, oh. but that, that's, <laughs> that's not what you're trying to do. Right, yeah. Like you could be like a, a, a plumber. And, like those are all cool jobs. Oh, it's just like I don't think my the path, uh, uh, those are paths I would want to go down. Yeah. Uh, um, so my ignorant ass is just like, okay, yeah, I'll just sign this dotted line, sign my life away. I didn't even read the document. <laughs> um, literally, I didn't know if I was joining the military or not because he was like, yeah, the Air Force is part of the military, but we're not the Army. Yeah. So my ass is thinking like, well, if it's not the Army, you're not really the military. And mind <laughs> you, I didn't even think like the Navy was the military, the Marines were the military. I thought they were all like under the Army somehow, yeah. right? Um, but fortunately, I was able to make it through um went to basic training that was really like once again like you're talking to a guy who slept in a coleman tent with other migrant workers for like two three years yeah basic training was luxury for me <laughs> <laughs> i was eating, i was over there eating like three meals a day i was like god damn y'all eat three meals a day and everyone's like i'm so hungry i'm over here just like <laughs> you know picking out on my breakfast i was like y'all eat breakfast y'all eat lunch Oh my God! Dinner! Holy oh my God! Shit. At the same time, this is amazing, and everyone was just like, "Oh my gosh, I miss home!" And I'm over here just living the dream. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, man, like uh, went through that. Uh, but I think the thing that I really enjoyed was when I went through um, the tech school part. That's when they actually teach you your job. And so finally, at basic training, they were like, "Hey." Um, this is a, a, a job that's needed by the Air Force. So I ended up getting the uh, electronic signals exploitation job. Ended up going uh, through tech school, which is where they teach you like a bunch of fundamental principles. So that's where I learned like the basics of physics, like time is the inverse of frequency. Uh, I still remember that to, to, to this day um, because like those were things that I just had to hammer into my head. Um, and then like, I started learning about like just RF spectrums. I understand Unix, for example. <laughs> like, yeah. So these are all things I never got introduced to, which yeah. is crazy, right? Growing up in the Bay, you would think like, oh man, you you would have so many opportunities. But as you know, Jake, we didn't have those opportunities, nah. you know, to learn shit about tech. Um, so I had to travel halfway across the world um, to kind of learn about, excuse me, I drank too much uh, seltzer, um, <laughs> to learn about freaking like... Uh, physics principles and like computers and how like file systems work. Um, and I think that's what kind of sparked the interest into me becoming an engineer eventually. Um, so like, those are the things that I really value from my time in the military. And of course, overlay that with a hungry guy, like, uh, you know, who just wanted to make it out if you will. Um, and just be like, dude, I want to prove to my uncle, that I, you know, what he taught me isn't going to shit. You know, I want to prove to my father, you know what I'm saying, who busted his ass, you know, for all his life that, you know, his work didn't go, you know, um, wasted. So, like, these are things that I always kept in the back of my head, you know what I'm saying, when I was just like, you know, struggling or anything like that. Yeah. Um, it just always pushed me through those barriers. So, really thankful for that. How wild is that? That let's say you go backwards into when you were in the Bay. You're going to school. No way was catching how naturally good you were at math and how naturally good were with numbers. Yeah. Then you put yourself in the fire and the major pressure being in Hawaii, then deciding to go to the military, going into the Air Force. It takes a test that they're giving everybody for them everybody. to realize that you have this natural skill that now has helped propel the career in which you have. Where it almost, yeah. it's almost sad to me because it shows you the lack thereof when it comes to attention or really trying to pull the best out of kids when it comes to yeah. academics and when it comes to the, the how the school is structured. Because you were in a situation where a lot of people would be afraid of to be in the military, in the Air Force, and they actually found your God-given natural skill of just being great with numbers and being great yeah. with, and then like I said, then it propels and springs you forward into where you are today. That's yeah. fucking insane. So I always had a feeling I was good at numbers because, like, I used to have a bunch of partners who would deal drugs and stuff. Like 
<laughs> so being able to like, so I was always great at fractions. Right? Yeah. So understanding eighths, quarters, halves, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then being <laughs> able to convert between like kilograms and then fucking ounces. Like those are things that like just, uh, I was always good at. So like my partners would always ask me like, hey man, what was this? And like, uh, like I would just do it in my head, you know what I'm saying? Because I always knew 2.2 yeah. kilograms were a pound and then I would just do the conversion in my head. <laughs> oh, cool. That's what's up. And then so like, and then of course I knew 220 or 2,200 uh, grams uh, were, were 16 ounces and then I would able to be, I, I still remember that to this day. Yeah. So like, those are things that I was innately drawn to, but to your point, like I never had like a venue or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Like to your point, like the school system was just shit, yeah. right? Like at least where we were going through, yeah. right? It was just like, you know, let's babysit these kids and then push them out. And that's the reason why I homeschool our, our, my two boys. Good for I you. I don't think it's, uh, it's uh, optimized for learning. I think it's more optimized for just allowing them to be a cog in society's wheel. Oh, I completely so, agree. Yeah, your boys yeah. would come up and go, hey, how many Dombacks we get out of this eight ball? <laughs> <laughs> Bruh, I used to be able to flip those numbers quick. Like, <laughs> I was to say, like, uh, you were about to be extremely successful in one of two directions. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God that you were able to go to Hawaii and build this oh, foundation yeah. and build what you got. Because I, So I do want to caveat, I was never into dealing. I was definitely into <laughs> Like, I was always like, I was like, the reason why I would give those dudes the quick numbers or I had those partners is I was like, so who you who you unloading to? Okay, yeah. I'll meet them on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay them a surprise visit, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, but enough of that. I'm dry snitching on myself. Fortunately, the statute of limitations are uh, at this point in time. So, yeah, don't worry. I don't think anybody you work with watching pays attention to my podcast, so I think we're good. <laughs> so... Who mentored you the most in the Air Force? In the Air Force, um, I don't, I, I don't know if I can say his name, but I'll, I'll say a captain. Yeah. Um, so there was a captain in Kadena, Japan, who took me under his wing. So this guy worked on Wall Street during the nine eleven um, situation. Yeah. Um, September nine eleven, right? Um, so I think he was like a, a, a financial analyst for what was Bear Stearns, I think. It was either Bear Stearns or J.P. Morgan or Goldman Sachs. Um, felt a patriotic duty to join uh, and join the military right after like 9-11. Right? Oh, wow. Um, so super good guy already. Um, he was my mentor in the standpoint where, dude, so I had a supervisor. He was running this MLM. I don't know if he ended up going to jail or not. Uh, <laughs> but um, he was running an MLM scheme. So what he was doing was, he was kind of like pressuring all of his subordinates, like yeah. me, for example, to like hop on this like MLM train and kind of like, you know, do things. And this is before I even knew what an MLM exactly. was. I was like a multi-level marketing, right? You're young. I was like, yeah, I was young. And I didn't even know what the hell it was. He was like, yeah, so, you know, you just go and get more people and you'll get more money. And then he was like, straight pyramid scheme. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, what about like uh, the products we're actually selling? Because like, yeah. it was pretty cool products. So I was like seeing toilet paper for cheap. You know what I'm saying? Toothpaste for cheap. He's like, no, 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 no. Fuck the products. You don't want to sell the product. You're making money off the people. But I was like, but the products. Oh, don't we want to sell the products? He's like, right. Fuck the. <laughs> He was going so hard with that, <laughs> he lost connection. But while we're waiting for him to get back on, Rock has lived an amazing life that you notice it could split really easily to good or bad. And every single time that opportunity came up for it to split in a bad direction, he was able to just get a hold of the right people to go into the right direction. So it's always big. Oh, hey, there we go. Yeah, let, let's, let's, that Ponzi scheme, I, I think the uh, the feds were listening. And they said, hey, wait, wait this is still a case. <laughs> the feds were listening. No, but like he was, uh, so wait, where did you, where did I last leave off? You left off on the products and how you thought they were amazing, but he didn't even want you to pay attention to those. Yeah, he was like, he was like, nah, 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 fuck, fuck, fuck the product, bro. Get the people. <laughs> That's really what's going to build up. He said, know? these products don't even exist. 
<laughs> I don't know. Like he was like, yeah. So he he was not explaining like the product or the business model around the product at all. And he was just saying the he was like the model is essentially get as much people as you can, yeah. and then they're gonna get as much people as they can. And this is you know ignorant. Like I was like nineteen years old. Yeah. I was like, oh man, that sounds like a great deal. And then so I was like, let me ask Captain about this. He seems to be a good good with money. And then he's the one who was like, dude, this is a pyramid scheme. <laughs> he's like, do you understand that? And I was like, what is a pyramid? He literally got on a whiteboard and drew a pyramid with the people, right? So he's like, this is your ass. This is your supervisor who's trying to accumulate more people. And then here's a pyramid. Unfortunately, it's a finite amount of people. And at some point in time, there's going to be layers where you can no longer go down and the pyramid scheme fails. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. So that's when I started. So what he started doing was like, he's like, you know what, Rocky, I see that you're interested in making money. Um, but like, I don't think these are the things. Let me teach you how to like look at stocks and invest in stocks. So he introduced me to value investing, uh, got me into like Benjamin Graham. And then, of course, Warren Buffett. And then um, there was um, Joel. He's the writer of uh, Margin of Safety. That was another book he had me read. But um, he was actually really just keen on letting me understand like the financial markets, business models. Um, and then of course that's how I invest today. Um, so I've been investing since I was two, 2005. Right. Um, and I think from a mentorship standpoint, he just had a lot of empathy on where I came from and just the lack of knowledge. And, but he knew I was like intellectually, I had a lot of capacity to understand things um, and I could pick up things quick and I was mathematically inclined. So those are things that I had to my advantage. And of course, like, so he took me under his wing and then taught me like a bunch of things. Always stayed away like from the risky stuff. Yeah. For example, he never taught me options. I had to learn that on my own and learn it the hard way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but definitely, uh, um, to be honest with you, he gave me a good, good basis for how I invested. In, and that's yielded us like huge benefits um, yeah. Uh, from a portfolio standpoint. So I'm grateful to him as well. So yeah. that's part of your point, right? Like you got to just network and meet people of, I don't know if high value is the term that I want to use here, but uh, just high character in my opinion. That's right? really what it or is. Willing to really help you along your journey and then pay it forward, right? Like I hope I've paid it forward, you know, by mentoring other folks uh, um, and, you know, um, just having chats with individuals. But uh once again, like those are cycles, if you will, that help generate good people in yeah. society, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's very valuable because what I've noticed when you do get these types of mentors involved in your life, they see A, the potential, they see maybe a, a bit of themselves, but then also they're just trying to find somebody that will actually listen and take <laughs> the valuable gems because they've been trying to give this information out, but people are either so stubborn or they're so stuck in the yeah, full of shit. And they're just stuck in a box. They're stuck in a yeah. box in which they don't necessarily want to hear anybody. So these people are like, man, I want to give this information away, but nobody wants to listen to me. Here's a smart kid that I see all this potential in. Let's see if he listens to me. And then when you start listening, yeah. he's just here, 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 here. And then it helps another male figure or just figure in general put in at the right time to help the evolution and the growth of yourself. No, nah, no doubt. I mean, and like to your point, right? Like the discussion we had about being from the Bay and feeling like we could think outside the box. Like, I think those are things that I really took And to your point. Like he probably met some people and gave them books. They never read that. Exactly. Shit, right. Like, cause they were think they were too constrained to the box. Yeah. And to your point, I was over here hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? This is knowledge that can help me make more money. Um, so those are things that I, I just, maybe I'm dumb and naive, but ignorance is bliss. Right. So I, oh, I took sure. that and ran with it. Um, so those are things that, uh, I really, uh, appreciate. Yeah. I think, man, I think just hearing this story so far and just seeing those, those mentors just placed at the perfect time yeah. in your life to where you're actually listening where a lot of people just don't listen a lot of people don't want to uh, hear yeah. it and they try to fight against it thinking that they know best where at the end of the yeah. day the best thing you can do is look at somebody and see and to your point not even the financial success just how do they carry themselves as a man or a woman how do people react when they talk are they full of yeah. shit are they telling the truth 
and then from there judge if this is the person you want to take information from. Because the guy with the Ponzi scheme, bullshit. <laughs> but she though. Yeah. Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> sequence to things right yeah. like there's a ink there's a there's an equation there's some input and there's some output and you can always validate it yeah so i transcend that to my life and with this particular individual like the equation itself never made sense <laughs> the input i was asking via questions wasn't providing any output that i could validate so it was always kind of one of those things where i was like uh, let me let me talk to someone who i can uh, probably have more respect for and to your point I went to him because I had the way he carried himself. He seemed like an honest person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he had a good reputation across our squadron. And fortunately, you know, all of those things were true for me, you know? So yeah. I definitely benefited from that. Oh, what a beautiful gem. Like you said, a simple equation that you live your life towards. And when things come out the end of that and it makes sense, you roll with it. When it doesn't, then you don't roll with it. If people live yeah. life based on that, they'd be on a better path. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah, I love that to that. This is such an amazing interview. I got a whole bunch of questions after that that we're going to when it comes to schooling and everything. Let's yeah. save this for episode two because this is amazing. And like yeah. I said, there's a lot of gems. <laughs> but what I do want to end this episode on yeah. is up until this point, what would be the best advice that you would give your current self to, let's say, your 19-year-old self with all this? You know exactly what's coming down the pipe. But yeah. where you're at, what would be the best if I say there's somebody listening that might be in your 19-year-old position, what would you say to them? Yeah. Slow down on the drinking. <laughs> Direct. No, no cap. You know what I'm saying? Like, slow down on the drinking. Like, once it, so, once again, like, you know, I'll point back to my culture and community, if you will. Not it's, This is not culture. This is more community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I come from a family of drinkers. You know, that's how we have a good time. Um, but sometimes that can be the party doesn't stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think uh, I, the, the road that I took probably could have been done uh, more efficiently if I didn't drink as much. Um, um, yeah, the girls weren't, weren't too much of a problem. Yeah, um, I was able to do my thing while you know what I'm saying, keeping it strictly business to some extent. Um, <laughs> uh, but there was a yeah. So if I were if I were to tell my young self, you know, just slow down on the drinking. Um, and just uh, be aware of who you're dealing with uh, uh, from a romantics perspective. And um, but I mean, like I guess, yeah, those are the two things I would focus on. Yeah. Um, I think uh, else it was, it, that that 19 year old version of me was taking great steps. Yeah. Um, to become the person they were today. I completely agree with that. Listening to the story up until now, where you are at 19, man, it's all the potential splits of. A yeah. good route or a bad route seem to be dwindled away already at 19, where it just seems that you're on trajectory to good good to great things. Yeah. No, I mean, that, yeah, because I, I, I specifically remember an episode where I had to fly back from Hawaii to California to face a judge on some misdemeanor that I had. And the judge was like, don't come back to California. Because yeah. <laughs> my mom was trying to explain the situation like, yeah. He is late, you know, he couldn't make the previous court date because, you know, he's in Hawaii now trying to look for a better path. He's like, if I catch you in California again, I'm throwing you in jail for five years. And uh, I don't know if he actually could have done that legally, but yeah. I think it was good enough to scare my mom and me to some extent yeah. um, to understand, like, you know, I, I got to straighten up. Yeah, so tough yeah. love seemed to be a pivotal rhythm around that time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think I... I mean, and, you know, when it, I referenced Einstein's quote, right? Like, yeah. you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is insanity. Yeah. Like, I think I needed a hard um, disruption, you know what I'm saying, to my way of life to, to be able to change the outcomes or the trajectory that I was on. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I love it. Like I said, an amazing episode up to this point. We're getting, I got to get you in right away so we can get number two going. Like I said, I know you got work and all this stuff. We've already gone an hour into it and we can just keep going. But there's a whole bunch of questions 
that I have. I mean, the... do you want to keep shooting? Do you? We we can go. No, no, no. Like I said, we'll we'll we'll, we'll save it for two. I know it gets a little tiring yeah. at a certain point, but we'll save it for two so we can just hit it super hard. Oh, for sure. But for sure. yeah, let's let's get it going, man. I super appreciate you being on for this episode. It, like I said, this has been one of the funnest interviews so far. <laughs> so I can't yeah, wait to see good. how number two goes. But uh, no, good and, shit, uh, man. Want to give a shout out real quick? Lab yeah, yeah. Rascals. Yeah, Lab Rascals. This is uh. My wife's company out here in DC, and of course, Stress Test Podcast. Yeah, uh, we'll probably have you on one day, Jake. Yeah, I love uh, I'm it. one half of that. You know, Stress Test with uh, Hamad and Rocky. Um, so I'm I'm half of that, and my friend, my really good friend Hamad is uh is the other half. So we talk about good topics like this. Um, but it's good to dive into it with uh someone else's perspective. So uh really enjoy this discussion. Hey, I love it, man. No, thanks, Rock. I really appreciate it. You. Fuck. Fucking amazing. Can't wait for episode number two. But <laughs> nah, once again, you're a great interviewer. So uh, oh, I appreciate I that. Is, Good shit, man. All right, well, cool. Like I said, interview two coming along the way. Rock, thank you so much. I appreciate yep, it. Yep. And we'll get going. Always. All right, brother. Good shit. Deuces. Peace.